This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. The following content is not suitable for children. George, we got a Q&A. A mailbag episode from a sexual withdrawer. So let's see how the other side lives and hear what she's saying. Sexual withdrawers reaching out. I love that, Laurie. You know, we get so much from these sexual pursuers that, again, they're trying to healthily change their relationship, confront it, get the tools that they need. But it's not so often we get the sexual withdrawers reaching out saying help. So I like this. I'm eager to hear what she has to say. Welcome to Foreplay Sex Therapy. I'm Dr. Lori Watson, your sex therapist. And I'm George Valley, your couples therapist. We are here to talk about sex. Our mission is to help couples talk about sex in ways that incorporate their body, their mind, and their hearts. And we have a little bit of fun doing it, right, G? Listen, and let's change some relationships. Don't forget to check out uberlube.com with the coupon foreplay. It really helps us to support the podcast and keep delivering free content. Thanks so much. So before we get started, George, I really want to thank our patrons because every month I get a reminder of the patrons who are new and who are sending us support and who are on mission with us and who believe in us. And I think you know, the engagement with the people who are listening, either in support like this or just the letter that we've gotten from this woman, it's so encouraging. I read all of them. I'm so grateful for them. And I just want to say to the patrons, thank you. Thank you for believing in us and thank you for sending us financial support so that we can do more of this work. George and I do a lot of thinking together and a lot of work in teaching and developing these ideas and these podcasts and you know, it really helps us to to have a little bit of leeway. It, it pays for our editing and it helps pay for our social media outreach. So thank you so much. And keep spreading the word because if we can get more and more, it's better. We want to turn this into a TV show. We want to have a bigger imprint and impact on the world. So please, if you're a billionaire listening and you want to kind of throw money this way to make something happen, this is this is bigger than all of us. But healthy messages around sex has never been needed more than it is today in this world that is going crazy and so often feels like it's kind of losing its way to kind of have good messages out there that recenter people and get them to prioritize why we're here in the first place to be in relationship to be in connection. I mean, we need to be shouting this from the rooftops. And it is all this kind of support that really can make this happen. So we we feel blessed and have a lot of gratitude. Thank you. Thank you. So let's get to this sexual withdrawal. This woman says, I just started listening to your podcast, and I love it. Thank you so much. It is hit on the topics that are holding me and my husband back. When we try to engage in conversations regarding intimacy or sex, it ends up with us shutting down. Exactly. We know that. That's why we're doing this podcast. I'm a withdrawing person. And when pressed by my husband to open up, I feel like I'm empty and I have nothing to say. I know my husband deeply desires to be close and I feel broken. I feel like I have hurt him and I don't know where to begin. So my question is, how does one figure out what hurt or fear is holding them back from opening up? How does a couple sit in the hurt and then move forward? Mm. I feel like there is a wall that has been built up for 20 years, and I can see the other side looks fun. 
but the wall in front of us is so huge. Oh my gosh, I just love this letter, George. There mm. are so many beautiful things that she's saying, so much responsibility that she's taking and so much vulnerability in how she put it. Exactly. And it's there's also a lot of pain. She's saying, I, I know I'm hurting my partner, even though I don't know why. And I there's a lot going on for me, but I feel empty. So it's she's in a tough spot. She is. I love the line where she says, the other side looks fun, but there's this wall in front of us. It's like between them and she has to climb that wall too. And it's so hard. And she can kind of see like, what would it be like to have all that desire and that energy? And, you know, that that would be more fun. And, and like you said, she's got, she's facing hurt between them that she feels like in part she's responsible for. And she's fearful on the inside. I want to be able to help this woman because I really feel like as a withdrawer, she's at a precipice, you know, a place where she might take the risk of figuring this out for what's inside herself and then how to get past the wall between them. Right. And chances are she might be both the sexual withdrawer and the emotional withdrawer, right? Mm -hmm. When there's a lack of being able to describe the inner world. It's because oftentimes we're not, it's not on a radar screen, right? A lot of withdrawers are focused externally. She's really aware of her husband's hurt and what's happening for him. But there's not, you know, if you're always focusing on pleasing people and performing and, and you know, sacrificing yourself to take care of others, there's not a lot of awareness left over for your own inner world. So that she's already looking at feeling empty is her trying to notice herself in this equation, which is a huge first step, right? Yeah. To be able to name empty is a great, great first step. It is. It is. And you can imagine what happens between the two of them when he says, tell me what you like, tell me what you're experiencing. And she just goes, you know, nothing just goes to blank because that's not what she's easy with. She doesn't do that. She doesn't think about her needs. She doesn't think about her body. Never, never had space to do that. And that's not his fault, but maybe from childhood on, there's so many reasons people are emotional withdrawers and sexual withdrawers that come from early places on the inside. You know, it's not your partner's fault, but that needs healing and that needs exploration. Right. So that, that first step at noticing the safety in not paying attention to yourself you know, and 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 only focus going on the external allows that new move to start saying, right, who am I where I don't know myself and I feel empty? How do you tolerate that space of not knowing, of the discomfort of like feeling invisible? There's not a lot here, right? A lot of times the doorway in is that withdrawal feeling like they're failing. And it's a very counterintuitive thing to do, which is to actually hit the gas pedal and try to go deeper into that place because their whole strategy is to avoid it. So getting their buy-in to say, if we keep avoiding it, we're never really going to know you in that place. Something happens in, in you that not knowing is safer than knowing, which means you're never getting help with what's happening in that place underneath. So it's, it's really leaning into the fears. Exactly. What does it make you that you disappoint your partner all the time, that you don't know yourself. You know, what might some of those fears be, Lori? Yeah. I mean, they're afraid of failing. They're afraid of disappointing their partner. 
You know, and I think that the fears go really deep and they often run their whole life. You know, maybe for whatever reasons they grew up feeling that they disappointed their parents or they were the cause of their parents' divorce. They were such a disappointment. They weren't the success that their parents wanted them to be. There's so many messages that we get in childhood and some of them are inadvertent. Our parents don't mean to send those messages, but we interpret it that way as children. And so we shut down. We tell ourselves we're not good enough. And then we withdraw our gift to the world. And then think about it in the body. So many things can go wrong in the body, in a family. Many times partners tell me, you know, I think my partner was just molested and that's why they're so shut down. But really, I mean, that can happen and it does happen with the frequency that is ungodly. But on the other hand, there's just patterns in families that we don't stay in touch with our bodies. You know, our bodies are not good or viewed as good. We don't, you know, there's many things that happen in families and as children that we grow up with that we have to examine. I'll never forget in my session one time, a mom and her daughter were walking in and the girl was like eight years old and she had an ice cream cone. She was just finishing it. So the mom was like, I just finished it outside. And she came into the office to, you know, to start the session. And we're both looking out the window and watching her. And all of a sudden, this this other lady comes over with a dog, a big dog, and it like jumps on this girl and and starts licking her face. And the the smile on this this girl's face, I can still remember it. I mean, she was just like, just just this pure ecstasy of just connecting with this dog and the, and the love between. It was just a great moment. Both of us had this big smile on our face. You know, and I, I remember the, the the daughter then walking into the session, almost skipping, like, you know, when I closed the door and she goes to sit down and her mom says to her, look, you ruined the dress. Look at those paws on your dress. Like, why did you let that dog jump on you like that? And you can just see this, like, jolt to the brain. It's like the brain has to learn how to turn off all that kind of dopamine and fun stuff and now get into the place of what did I do wrong and, like, it does a lot to the brain. And again, we're not blaming parents. People need to be neat and all those things. But a lot of times when you go into the history, you see this with withdrawers. They don't get people in their lives that help them put words to their inner world. They're left alone. And when you're left alone, you don't develop the words. The feelings are still there. You just don't have the words for those feelings. And I think, you know, that's why this this lady talking about feeling empty, that is how most people feel. They say they don't know. You're not trying to be difficult. You really don't know. You haven't had that person to help you put words to those feelings. Yeah, exactly. I love what you're talking about. I mean, for you, this was sort of a nutshell of what happens in the family for this girl and their mother. And, and again, you know, I'm a parent and I often feel like I don't do it right, you know, most of the time feel like I don't do it right. And so, you know, we have a lot of mercy on parents, but the reality is, is sometimes those moments do like hit us in our childlike brain and send a powerful message that we determine is how we ought to be. And so, you know, right. Also, don't be messy. Don't be dirty. Think about this as a, a girl child, you know, who gets the message from mother don't be messy, don't be dirty, don't enjoy this kind of moment of play. And, and maybe that gets translated over and over throughout the years, and there's layerings of those messages. And then you try to grow up and be a sexual woman, 
you know, who is supposed to be dirty and messy and sweaty. And, you know, it's like, oh, you know, I, I don't have any permission for that. I, I can't do that. And now you want me to talk about what it feels like. Well, I'm going to only tell you that it feels bad. You know, when you're sweaty and we're dirty and you want me to talk dirty, it's like, I can only tell you that that feels bad. And that's not going to make you happy. You know, all of these things go on in their brains. And it really comes from earlier experiences. And I think that's the first thing that I would say to this woman is do your own work first, like examine your sexual formation. What were those implicit and explicit messages in childhood about sex, particularly? We've said this so many times, but an attached, secure childhood covers a multitude of sins. It's like we can have we can have bad moments with our children and with our parents. Like I think responsiveness only needs to be what about 30% for us to have a good childhood. But if if you have parents who celebrate your body, celebrate your puberty, like celebrate the way, you know, you identify, all of those things, a good childhood lays a foundation for later sexual capacity. If you have affectionate parents, that is such a blessing. I will say the number one thing I think that happens in women is parents who are not affectionate. They don't have an affectionate mother. That is an enormous block. It's a huge block. Even if their father was affectionate and and genuine in it, not having a mother who is an affectionate woman to you is just like, it's really hard to, to be in touch with your sexual capacity. I think men get over it because their testosterone drives them past that. So they will be sexual, they will be affectionate, but women, really hard block. So let's come back, talk about more that this woman can do. It is springtime and the weather is beautiful. We are falling in love and I want you to have a great experience in bed. I want you to have the best orgasm that you have ever had. I want you to be euphoric. When I say euphoric, think Foria. This is a product that basically helps you have the best orgasm you can ever have. They use CBD oil and there are several products. One that you can put inside your vagina that kind of melts and absorbs and gives you that great feeling and that great orgasm. They also have sex oil and awaken oil, which... Awaken is like this juicy warm-up that gets you turned on. It increases your pleasure and it deepens your orgasm. So listen, you have my permission to try it. I fully endorse Foria products. Treat yourself to deeper, fuller pleasure whenever you can. Foria offers a special deal for our Foreplay fam. Get 20% off your first order by visiting foriawellness.com dot com slash foreplay or just use the code foreplay at checkout that's f-o-r-i-a wellness dot com forward slash foreplay for 20% off your first order listen get euphoric it's springtime i recommend awaken arousal oil and sex oil you'll thank me later so here's the good news Lori. even if we never get what it is we need it's never too late to add the missing ingredient. If yeah. you could identify, if you could explore, if you could tolerate the discomfort, you could figure out what it is you didn't get and still get it and get your body back towards that pathway towards security. Right? We don't get a choice. The, our, our experiences, the families we're put into, everybody's trying to do the best they can. But that's what growth is. Growth is about being able to kind of get curious, 
and trying to figure out what you can do differently. We're always working towards those new moves. So again, she's already taken a step in that direction by reaching out. Normally withdrawers don't reach out, right? They don't want to expose themselves. They don't want to be seen. They don't want other people to see them as failing. So they keep that all to themselves. To name that empty feeling, empty is a safer feeling. If you're going to feel really distressed and nobody's going to help you with it, you're better off not feeling. So that's typical withdrawers. I don't feel anything. I don't know. I feel empty, right? Because that's the body protecting you. It doesn't want to give you clear signals of how bad it feels because it's only going to make things worse. It's going to take your focus away from everyone else and put it on you. What's the point of doing that? Unless you start to see the value in doing it, right? Yeah. So getting the withdrawer to buy in to themselves, to start standing up for themselves, to say, it's not my fault. I don't have words. But guess what? I want to start listening to my body. Getting plaque plugged back into your body, critically important. You know, I love that you are always full of hope. And what what you're telling us, I, I kind of just feel the hope in me, you know, as I work with people and for myself. It's never too late to fill in the holes that we're missing from childhood. And, and we don't, we are, that's what makes us human is we're adaptable. We're not stuck in the past. We're not stuck in those places of the way we grew up. We can heal. We can change. Our brain can form again and grow. And we can have different patterns with our partners. Exactly. And all it takes is that willingness to take that first step, yep. right? To listen to the good reasons you're empty. When you yep. honor the protection, when you honor the wall, that wall is just trying to protect you. It's trying to protect you from all the hurt and things that you haven't gotten. But when you can start to, to honor that, then the real work begins about trying to focus on you, leaning into what does it mean about you that you disappoint people? Like, if I can't help a withdrawer start to have success with their feelings, they need success in co-regulation, right? Look, she's trying to give her husband success and she sees his struggle and wants to help him with that. Yet who sees her in this place of struggle? She's always using self-regulation, trying to deal with it on her own. So the root of the problem is a failure in co-regulation. The solution is going to be somebody seeing that failure and helping her in that place. Right, exactly. So I want to give her another direction to go as well. I, I really want her to become knowledgeable about her body and about the sexual technique that would work for her. And I mean, this is so difficult, I think, for sexually withdrawn women. There's a lot of messages, you know, especially around masturbation for young girls. Parents get really much more anxious about finding a girl masturbating than finding a boy masturbating. You know, they're all that vulnerability of like, oh, is she going to be super sexual? And that's scary for parents. And so little girls, when they reach for their genitals, get shut down, they get their hands slapped away, they get told, don't do that, all these kinds of things. And that is really the way women become knowledgeable about their pleasure is usually through masturbation. And many women who are sexual with jars have never masturbated or they don't masturbate regularly or they do it in secret and they don't feel like they can tell their partner about it. That's another big one. Yeah. Yeah. I wrote an article called Name That Yanni. And basically, I think women, they don't even know what they look like, George. They've, they've never held up a mirror to their genitals. You know, they don't know the names of all the parts. They don't even know the names of the clitoris and the urethra and the vagina. They can't distinguish that. 
they they don't know what to call themselves. I, I think men are so playful with their genitals. They they actually like name them playful names sometimes. And you know, it's they're touching them all the time. They have to touch them to go to the bathroom. And women don't. I mean, think about it. A woman can go years without touching her genitals. She may wash herself with a washcloth. She wipes herself with tissue paper. She never ever touches herself. It's just not part of her day. She can't see herself. And so it's this foreign territory. You know, it, it's almost like it's a blank spot. You know, her genitals are a blank spot. And so she doesn't see it. She doesn't name it. She doesn't own it. Yeah. And that that's so problematic for the sexual female withdrawer. Like, I got to own my genitals and own that pleasure is my right, that my body should give me pleasure. Well, and then for a lot of withdrawers, I like that imagery of a foreign territory. Their body is a foreign territory, mm -hmm. right? If you're focusing on others and performing and pleasing, you're not really noticing your own body. So really getting back in touch with your body and recognizing it's okay not to know. I tell withdrawers all the time, you're not supposed to know. This hasn't been on your radar screen. It's okay. But now it is. So let's start listening. Let's start trying to plug in. Let's and so yes, you're looking in the mirror, you're looking at your body, you're touching your body. You're, you know, when when you feel criticized, when you get a message you're doing something wrong, check in with your body. There is always a physiological response to a threat. That is the way we are made. We might not tune into that frequency and listen to it, but it's always there. If you keep encouraging people to listen to their body, the body is incredibly wise. There are always emotional signals trying to give us information about where we are in the world, what's working and what's not working. And as people get practice, they get better and better at that, right? So when she says, I feel empty, that's a start. She's trying to feel the nothingness. We need to keep checking and checking. And you're going to see over time, you start getting more and more clearer, more and more specific. Yeah, exactly. And some women say, but I don't know sexual technique. I don't know what works. You know, I, I can't, I don't know. And maybe, you know, for some people, for other reasons, they, they cannot or will not masturbate. You know, some people, they think it's a sin to masturbate. And, but we can help them. We can get them through that. There are books that they can read on sexual technique. I like Michael Castleman's Great Sex. It's really written more for men, but I think women could read the chapters on sexual technique and say, you know, I think that would work for me. I mean, if it's permissible to use ohmygodyes.com, those are films on sexual technique on women. And it is very, very explicit. I mean, it is as explicit as porn. However, I think it's artful and I think it is intentional about teaching sexual technique. And maybe you could watch it with your partner and, and try them, you know, maybe have your partner try them on you as you go and sort of do an intentional look and walk through of all these different techniques and start to say, you know, this one works better for me. I like the way this arouses me. And remember, no technique that is focused on the clitoris is going to work well until she's actually aroused. Mm -hmm. So just starting off cold and saying, do this to me. Well, that doesn't work. It's like, right, it doesn't work because you're not, you're not yet sexually aroused. So, so all of these things have to be done in the context of arousal or it, you won't even know. And, you know, and you have to be patient with yourself. Yeah. When we're training therapists, we're always trying to get them to pay attention to body in, body out. Listen to your body. If something's not working, 
there's a reason it's not working. You're not turned on yet. You're not lubricated. When it is working, there's a reason why it's working. So the more we pay attention to the story of the body, what feels good or what feels bad, right? It, it's going to give us everything that we need. And so often we just, most of us have been trained not to do this. So listen to where you feel like a failure, what's not working. And if you could share that and your partner can respond and something changes and all of a sudden your body feels good, it is, it's showing the trajectory, you know, going from disconnection or struggle towards connection and that hope that of what's working. Yes. And I had a girlfriend the other day, close to my age, who said, I just used a vibrator for the first time, like about a couple of years ago. I'm like, what? And she said, yeah. And, and she's not shut down all that much sexually, but she said, you know, it was a game changer. So I would also advise this woman, try a vibrator, you know, so that you can get sexually aroused easily and then maybe develop more about, you know, teaching your partner how to touch you, discovering the touches that you like. A vibrator is good for masturbation for women too, because they can experiment. They can have quick orgasms. They can have easier orgasms. They can have arousal that then they touch themselves and all of that, you know, touch feels good. So they can explore different techniques on their own body that then they can communicate. Yep. And I say that really easily. Like sometimes sexual withdrawers are like, are you kidding me? I'm supposed to tell my partner how to touch me. That is insane. I could never do that. So there's a lot of growth steps in between there. We know we're kind of painting an ideal picture of what we want you to do here, but I love that your spirit is saying, you know, how can I get better? How can I explore myself? And I think these are just some practical ways that we'd like you to try. Yeah, to look for things that might relax your body, right? When people are feeling empty, it's usually a sign there's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of tense. That's that external focus. If you can start noticing things that can relax you, you will start to get back into your body. You know, exactly. maybe it's taking a hot shower beforehand. Maybe it's sitting by the fireplace. Maybe it's getting a massage. Like, what is it that can get you back into your body? Right? I'm going to so, do all those things today. I'm going to go take a hot bath, sit by the fire, and get a massage. This exactly that. I mean, that gets us into our body and warms us up. Literally, a lot of times we want our body to go too fast. You know, and, and no wonder why it says, I don't feel anything yet because you haven't done anything for me yet. So really trying to spoil the body to trying to get it back online to, you know, relax. Great lovers are relaxed. So I'm always looking for that. Do people even notice that how relaxed they are? Yeah. And I think she said the last thing that I would have instructed anybody to say, which is, you know, take, look at sex apart from the negative cycle. And how much pleasure you're personally missing. And she said it. I mean, she said it in her letter. I'm looking at the other side of the wall going, he's having so much fun. It looks like fun over there. And so, yes, this fun is what you're missing and what you can have. So I, I would say to you, you're already there on my step three. You've already seen it. And just let that longing for the fun you know, bubble up inside you, let it motivate you, let it push you past your inhibitions to get yourself that fun because you deserve to have fun too. She's much further along than she realizes. Yep, she's reaching exactly. out for help. She's already identified her blocks in the wall and she could tap into some longing that wants something differently. When you could tap into the longing, you're usually good to go. So we're, we have uh, high hopes for you. 
We do. So thanks for listening. Keep it hot, y'all. Call in your questions to the 4Play Question voicemail. Dial 833-MY-4PLAY. That's 833-MY, the number 4, play. And we'll use the questions for our mailbag episodes. All content is for entertainment purposes only and should not be considered as a substitute for therapy by a licensed clinician or as medical advice from a doctor. This podcast is copyrighted by 4Play Media. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.